This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines on the biggest stories out of the Vatican. Last week was a particularly busy week for all on the Vatican Beat, as you might have seen when we dropped into your feed three times, once with our regular weekly show, and twice outside of that with major breaking news that hit headlines across the international news media. But there was only one story that dominated the headlines. This morning, at his weekly general audience, Pope Francis appeared to be in good form and voice. Until it was over, climbing aboard the Mobile, wincing in pain. The Vatican said he was taken to the hospital for some pre-scheduled medical tests. But then, as rumors began to build, at the end of the day, the Vatican said that he, in fact, he has a respiratory infection. And that he'll spend a few nights under medical supervision. Pope Francis was rushed to a Rome hospital following his regular Wednesday audience, where he was diagnosed with a respiratory infection and remained for three days. But even his hospitalization could not contain his priestly zeal and spirit for mission. We've got the stories of the Pope's activities inside the wards. Because, of course, an important moment in the Catholic calendar, but important for him to be close to the faithful and for the faithful to see him as well. A day after he was released from Gemelli General Hospital, it was business as usual as the Pope presided at Palm Sunday Mass in St. Peter's Square for the start of the holiest week of the Christian year. I'm Ricardo de Silva, and this is Inside the Vatican. Have you been looking for a way to grow closer to Jesus this Lent? We have a great opportunity for you. Daily Rosary Meditations with Dr. Mike Scherschlecht is a podcast where you learn how to meditate and establish a daily habit of prayer while discovering the truths of the Catholic faith. Daily Rosary Meditations is the fastest growing community praying the rosary with family and friends around the world. Each day, a different topic is explored, allowing you to learn about your faith in bite-sized daily portions all while you pray the rosary. So join them every day for scripture, meditation, and a rosary, all in under 20 minutes. The meditations are perfect for your daily commute or your morning coffee. You can find them in your favorite podcast app by searching Daily Rosary Meditations or on the web at dailyrosary.net. Good morning from a 70 degrees and sunny blue skies in New York. Spring is here, Jerry. Good afternoon from changing weather of Rome, Ricardo. We had hailstone that covered the ground on Sunday evening after the papal mass. We have unpredictable weather for the next few days. Yeah, you've had pretty haphazard weather patterns. You know, it's been back and forth. 
and who knows what's in store for this Holy Week. Yeah, they say March is crazy, Marzo Pazzo, but we're in April and it seems to have moved into April. Well, we have to allow for El Niño and La Niña to do their thing. Pope Francis was admitted to Gemelli General Hospital in Rome last week for what we now know was a serious bout of bronchitis that required antibiotics and other therapies and a three-day stay in hospital. He was released on Saturday morning in time to preside over the start of Holy Week, but his hospitalization has raised a few questions. The first is perhaps the most surprising for me. Jerry, we first learned the Pope was going to hospital when Matteo Bruni, the director of the Vatican's press office, sent a brief message by email to all journalists around 4 p.m. Rome time on Wednesday afternoon. And in that message, he said, and I quote, the Holy Father has been at Gemelli since this afternoon for previously scheduled checkups. But shortly after that news broke, it became clear that this was no scheduled visit. Rather, the Pope had been rushed to hospital after he complained that he was struggling to breathe following his usual Wednesday general audience at St. Peter's Square. The story broke in the media, and then around 10 p.m. that same night, Mr. Bruni sent a slightly longer email with a few more details, letting us know, quote, that in the past few days, Pope Francis had complained of respiratory difficulties, and this afternoon he went to Gemelli General Hospital to undergo some medical checks. Then, ruling out COVID-19, Mr. Bruni confirmed that the Pope would, quote, require a few days of appropriate in-hospital medical treatment. So, Jerry, it really appears there's a contradiction in these statements. In just a matter of hours, we're getting very different messages. Can you set the record straight? What really happened? Why did the Vatican have to, it appears, backtrack on what the director of its press office put out? The Pope held the general audience on the Wednesday morning as usual, and he seemed in good shape during the audience. He spent a lot of time with people talking afterwards. And then we saw a picture of him getting into the Pope mobile, mm -hmm. and he had a real grimace on his face as if he was suffering. Later, we discovered that when he got back to Santa Marta, the Vatican guest house where he lives, he began feeling pains on his chest. Yeah, because some of the rumors initially were that he might have, you know, had some sort of cardiac episode. Yes, and he, he had originally scheduled to give an interview to Channel One of the Italian television, which does Sunday programs and whom he's met before. They had to cancel the interview. She was informed that the Pope could not do the interview. So this was made abundantly clear to anybody that the visit to the hospital was not scheduled as the press release had said. But secondly, we know that people passing by Santa Marta saw an ambulance outside. And we know also from two of the medics who traveled in the ambulance with the Pope to the hospital, they spoke to journalists and they said they'd accompanied him in the ambulance. So if it's a pre-prepared, scheduled visit, it's most unlikely you go by ambulance. We now know the Pope had been to hospital at least twice in the previous weeks, but there was no publication or information about that. One found out later. So what happened was he was taken by ambulance to the hospital and it was excluded that he had heart problems. Mm -hmm. They then began carrying out other checks and 
They concluded, I think we were told that he had infectious bronchitis for which they prescribed antibiotic therapy. That was the Wednesday he went in. This was on the Thursday that they broke the news of what he actually had. And we know that Thursday evening, the Pope wanted to come back to the Vatican. We know now, of course, that the story is a lot more complicated than at first came through in the communications from the Vatican. Why do you think that there was a reluctance to let the public know that the Pope had been admitted to hospital? Well, obviously, there is a great reserve around questions relating to the Pope's health. Because any time there's even a suggestion of a serious problem with the health of the Pope, and this isn't just with Francis, but also with his predecessors, immediately the drumbeat of conclave starts. Yeah, I mean, we heard the voices of dissent almost immediately, some calling for a conclave or, you know, questioning whether the Pope was in fact as healthy as he says he is. And so naturally they were reserved. And the Pope also has said on occasions that he doesn't want his health to become a public drama. Francis has now spent 10 days in July of 2021 in hospital. And now he has spent three days, that's 13 days in hospital. John Paul II spent 149 days in hospital with seven visits. There is always the sensitivity around the health of the Pope. Think back to Pius XII, his photographer sold photos of the Pope when he was quite ill. Paul VI, they kept it very quiet as well, the situation of his health. If I'm not mistaken, there was some operation in the Vatican. They set up a little surgery. John Paul II, they had a little surgery in the Vatican. All to keep it out of the public eye. Yes, to avoid really going to the hospital. But Francis has been, in many ways, more transparent. Remember, he's given a big long interview to an Argentine journalist on his medical history. And he traces from right from the beginning of his life to up to the first time he went to hospital in 2021. I think also, you know, fears around bronchitis, it being a respiratory infection. We know that he's had part of his lung removed. So there might have also been concern just more generally around how serious this could be related to the health of his lungs. Yes, he had the upper lobe of his right lung removed when he was about 20 because he had three cysts on that upper lobe. And in this interview with Nelson Castro, the Argentine journalist whom he gave a long interview about his health, Nelson Castro was also a doctor who became a journalist. So it was quite a, a detailed report. Uh, Francis said, I've never had problems with my lung since that operation. Now, we do know that he's 86. For anybody to get uh, bronchitis, severe bronchitis, it can be a problem. What was the amazing thing about this is the rapidity with which he recovered. He's got a strong constitution. And I, I think Americans, especially Americans, can appreciate the discretion around health information being put out in public, right? I mean, HIPAA laws here in the United States are incredibly important and protect the privacy of individuals. And so while the Pope is a public figure and we do need to know what's going on with him in the same way that we need to know what's going on with the American president, there are some details that perhaps we don't need to be privy to. So there can be some understanding around discretion when it comes to the Pope's health. Well, we, we saw this discretion, for example, when Queen Elizabeth in the last days of her life really 
people didn't know whether she was still alive or dead. And there was extraordinary discretion. The reality, Ricardo, is, and I've seen it, is there was enormous concern worldwide. I kept getting a lot of messages, uh, also requests for interviews, etc. People were concerned. The bishops in many parts of the world started prayers for the Pope, and people were sending messages. The Vatican got inundated with messages. This Pope is liked. And our colleague Molly Cahill really points that out, right? She writes this really beautiful article, a very moving piece, where she says she saw the best of Catholicism on display, that Catholics across the ideological spectrum came together to call for prayers for the Pope, in solidarity for the Pope, for the Pope's health. She said, that's when we're at our best, when we are looking out for each other. So I certainly encourage our listeners to read that article, and we'll link to it in the show notes. Whether or not the press office was being discreet, it also gave way and ushered a whole wave of questions around the Pope's fitness to govern, right? And we saw, as you said, the drumbeats of conclave, people calling for the Pope's resignation, I watched a BBC report where that was kind of the lead question, right? I wonder if you can say something about what you saw. It was clear that the news media flocked to the Vatican and sort of staked outside the hospital waiting for news. What were they waiting for? Well, they were waiting for solid medical information, first of all, on what exactly was the problem with the Pope. Did he have heart problems, as suggested by the fact that he seemed to be experiencing chest pains, or did he not? Secondly, there was the question of COVID. Because already at that time, some people in the Vatican had COVID. Mm -hmm. And that was quickly ruled out in the second news report. It's very significant that that came out very quickly as the first solid kind of confirmation. Thirdly, he's a newsmaker. There is enormous interest. I saw people coming in from all over the world for this. But I also saw another factor. Many people who don't normally put messages on the website, on the blogs or in Twitter, many, many people were sending messages praying for him. I think that there was a tremendous sense of relief, for example, when people realized there was nothing really serious in the Pope's condition. I saw that uh, reflected in in reports in many parts of the world, but also from uh, direct messages I I saw. But there were also strong voices calling for resignation, right? The usual predictable voices were on that same drumbeat. But this is a small minority. They don't like the leadership of Francis and whatever chance they have to shout for resignation or whatever, they will use it. It was a shock to everybody here in Rome, Ricardo. I can't deny that. None of us expected it. You see the Pope at the audience in the morning from 10 to about 11.30, and a few hours later, you find that he's been rushed to hospital on the eve of the holiest week in the the Christian calendar uh, when he had a, a real heavy program. So immediately people began to say, will he be able to participate on the Palm Sunday ceremony? Will he be able to participate in the Easter Vigil, the Good Friday ceremony at the Colosseum? A lot of questions were raised. Any questions about whether the Pope would bounce back from this were very quickly silenced when we saw what he started doing again very quickly on Friday. 
barely a day into treatment, he started ministering in hospital. What happened inside the hospital? Well, first of all, we got the good news from the medical team that the antibiotics was working. And then, more powerful than any statement from the medics, was what we saw. Francis went to the children's oncological ward and neurosurgical ward and visited the children. He spent more than a half an hour with them and also with some of their parents. And then he baptized one of them. It was extraordinary. We have incredible pictures of that. Yeah. And he came with gifts, bringing gifts. He brought rosaries, but he brought chocolate Easter eggs. And he, he bought a little book about Jesus. And so he shared these with the people. And this really was comforting to many people to see how he looked and how happy he looked. The detail that stays with me, you know, when he baptized one of the babies, obviously there's no baptism certificates in the hospital. And so he wrote out in his own handwriting the baptism certificate for this baby. Yes. He told the, the woman, you, you can tell, go back to your parish and tell him the child has been, been baptized by the Pope. <laughs> but the joy on his face and uh, also looking at the medics who were standing around him, it, it, this was really encouraging. And then next morning. After a pizza party the night before. Yeah, he had a pizza party that same Friday night. After the baptism with the doctors, with the security detail and the staff that had assisted him during the thing. I mean, it's not normal to get a pizza in, in the hospital, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're the Pope, I think you can, you know, pull some weight. Yes, but th 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 this was a great message to people. I mean, it was encouraging that here is the Pope doing normal things. And next morning, there was a big lineup outside the hospital, media from all over the world, but also a lot of people. And then he arrives in his little white Fiat car and stops. And he meets a journalist, but he also meets a young boy who had had his arm in a plaster cast. And the boy wanted him to write his name on the plaster cast. And the Pope looked for a pen and wrote it. And then he met this couple who had lost their daughter the night before she had died. This child had already had problems and the Pope had already met her at a parish some time back. So he, it was not their first meeting, but to see the woman put her head down on, on, on the Pope's chest and, and he, he was embracing her and trying to comfort her and comfort the husband. This was a powerful message. The Pope always has been a pastor. And there's a heart-rending video of this encounter, right, with this young mother and her husband, the father of the child by Delia Gallagher, CNN's Vatican correspondent. She was there and she captured this moment. And so we have it for the public to see. Yes, Delia actually asked him, uh, how, how do you feel? How are you? And he said, I'm still alive. And it, this is a kind of a, a classic phrase of the Pope when many people ask him, how are you? Still alive. You know, th this Pope is uh, one who is great humor. But also a man of great prayer, as he always does when he leaves the Vatican, when he leaves his home and he returns, the first visit he made was to the Blessed Mother. Yes, he went to the Basilica of St. Mary Majors, where he went on the first morning after his election. He went there to pray before the beautiful icon of what one might call it, Mary the Protectress of the City of Rome. He always goes on the eve of a visit. He always goes when he comes back from the foreign visit. He's been there more than a hundred times in these 10 years. 
And he, he went there during COVID. For him, there's a special devotion that he has to this mother, Our Lady, protectress of the city of Rome. He was back on Sunday in St. Peter's Square. And after the break, we'll hear what the Pope had to say on Palm Sunday as he bounced back from illness. And talking about prayer, Pope Francis has a great devotion to Our Lady. If you have a devotion to Our Lady, we have a great opportunity for you. Daily Rosary Meditations with Dr. Mike Schirschlicht is a podcast where you learn how to meditate and establish a daily habit of prayer while discovering the truths of the Catholic faith. Daily Rosary Meditations is the fastest growing community praying the rosary with family and friends around the world. Each day, they explore a different topic, allowing you to learn about your faith in bite-sized daily portions, all while you pray the rosary. So join them each day for scripture, meditation, and a rosary, all in under 20 minutes. The meditations are perfect for your daily commute, morning coffee, or afternoon tea. You can find them in your favorite podcast app by searching Daily Rosary Meditations or on the web, dailyrosary.net. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Pope Francis entered St. Peter's Square mounted on a jeep and wrapped in a white overcoat. Not the designer Balenciaga puffer jacket he was reported to wear last week, which we then discovered was actually an AI-generated image of the Pope in a Balenciaga jacket. But it was still pretty stylish, I thought. He blessed the palms among the crowds gathered for the first of the Holy Week Masses, got back on the jeep, and was taken to the sanctuary to preside and preach at the Mass. He sat down for the lengthy reading of the Passion, this year from St. Matthew's Gospel, and then preached a powerful homily, which you can read in full on our website, americamagazine.org. In the homily, he recalls, and you wrote about this in, in your story, but he recalls the sufferings of the body that Jesus experienced, the beating, flogging, and crucifixion, the sufferings of the soul, he said, including the betrayal of Judas and the denials of Peter. But he said it was the suffering of, of the spirit that was the most searing of all sufferings, because that was where Jesus experienced, and this is a quote from the Pope, abandonment by God. Yes, he felt the distance from God at that moment. I mean, people in their own lives experience distance from other people, uh, but it's an extraordinary kind of moment that Jesus, who we say is also God, experienced the distance from God. But in that moment, he's fully human. Yes, yes. But he still experienced this distance. Then the Pope moved from that and to the, here was one Christ, as it were, abandoned by God. And then he said, in our own world, in our own life, we have many other abandoned Christs. This is the expression. He abandoned Christ's. And so he talked about migrants. He talked about children not being wanted, unborn children, 
He said, there's a legion of abandoned Christs in our world today. He spoke about what it means to be forsaken. And I mean, he's really attentive to that when he's drafting his text, but he's also attentive to that in the moment, right? And we saw that he was back to himself when he departs from the text and adds his own flavor based on what he is seeing in front of him. One striking one was he said, uh, he said right here under the colonnades a few weeks ago, a homeless German man died alone, abandoned. It was very powerful. And he said, I too feel the need to be caressed by Christ. And he said, for this reason, I go to those who are abandoned and to the lonely to be with them, to meet in them the abandoned Christ. And it was this identification between Christ being abandoned by God at the moment of the crucifixion and these people in our daily life who are abandoned, they're abandoned Christs. These are often insights that are beautiful and powerful. They touch people. And really, I saw some of the papers went with this story about the German man who had been homeless and the Pope linking that, saying, I feel the need to be caressed by Christ. And so I go to meet Christ in these abandoned people. Which wasn't part of the prepared text at all. No, absolutely not. It Obviously, it was an idea that came right into his head. And you often see this. And you, you can see it coming because he's reading and suddenly he stops. And people might wonder how we know this. I mean, we know this obviously because as journalists, we receive an advanced copy of what the Pope is going to say, which we can't report on until the Pope has said it. And then in the moment, he adds these things and we can see that that's not in the script. We can't follow that in the script that we've received. No, you've got to be alert when the Pope is talking. Sometimes he just throws away the, the, the prepared text or significant parts of it. And sometimes he puts in these jewels into the heart of the text, which take the text to another level. And we'll certainly be alert this coming week, right? I mean, it's going to be a really busy week for the Pope. It's going to be a huge week for you, as if last week wasn't busy enough. But what else is planned for Holy Week in Rome? Let's start with Holy Thursday. Well, in the morning in St. Peter's Basilica, there will be the Chrism Mass, where they bless the oils that the priests in the Diocese of Rome will use for baptisms, for confirmations, for anointing of the sick, for ordinations during the coming year. And then in the late afternoon, I think about four o'clock, Francis is going to get into his car and drive out of Rome. Well, he'll be driven out of Rome, I hope. <laughs> he'll, be, yes. he'll be driven out of Rome by uh, for about 45 minutes or more to a juvenile prison. This is Casal del Marmo, which is a juvenile detention center on the outskirts of Rome, the same place he presided beginning the Easter Tridium 15 days after his election in 2013, 10 years ago. Francis kind of shocked Rome on the first Holy Thursday. They said, well, you're going to do the Mass here, the Holy Thursday Mass here in the Basilica or in St. John Lateran's. And uh, we will follow the thing. And he said, no, 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 I'm not going to do it in the Vatican. I'm going out. And he had been doing this all the time in Buenos Aires. He went to hospitals. He went to prisons. He went to children's homes. All the time as Archbishop of Buenos Aires, never did he do the Holy Thursday Mass in the cathedral. He, he went to the places of suffering. And in fact, he's visited six prisons in Holy Week, right? 
in addition to Casal del Marmo, where he will now have been twice. He went to Rebibia in 2015, Pagliano in 2017, Regina Celli in 2018, Velletri in 2019, Civitavecchia in 2022. So just last year, that was the choice he made again. Yes, he has this real personal sensitivity about prisoners. That also ties into Jesus' own passion, where he himself is imprisoned. In fact, I've just come back from a pilgrimage in the Holy Land. One of the places we visit was the sacred pit, which we kind of miss in the scriptures. But this place where Jesus is remanded between being condemned to die by Caiaphas and taken before Pilate the next day, he's placed in this pit, what is believed to be the pit where Jesus spent his last night. Well, you know, when people are arrested, a lot of friends disappear. People don't visit prisons. They don't like to be associated with so-called criminals. And, and Francis is exactly the opposite. I saw on these foreign trips as well how many prisons he, he visited in Latin America. He's said many times in the homilies, he says, you're in here. But I asked myself, why is it you and not me? And he said, any of us could be in there. And he keeps reminding people that this prisoner is Christ for me. And it's very difficult for people to accept this. It's a shock to their way of thinking because the criminal is somebody to be excluded from society. And we see how often he's come out and said he's against life imprisonment. He's against the death penalty. And of course, this is all linked with Christ. I mean, here was Christ arrested and everybody, all his apostles disappear. Peter goes in and denies him, that he doesn't know him. And this is a common experience of humanity. Continuing the story of the Passion, right, the Passion of Jesus, on Friday, we think the Pope will be at the Stations of the Cross in the Colosseum, and so literally walking with Jesus through his Passion. Yes, every year he's gone to the Colosseum. I was talking to some senior people in the Vatican. Nobody knows whether, in fact, he will go there, because the weather is so changeable right now. Where the Pope presides at this way of the cross at the Colosseum is from to- on, on top of a hill overlooking the Colosseum. Why the Colosseum? Because the Colosseum was the place of the early Christian martyrs. Mm-hmm. So a symbol of Christian persecution. Yes, of martyrdom for the faith, yes. Uh, many people think, well, if he's going to be up in the hill and it's cold and there's a wind, it's not exactly the place that you would want the Pope to be having just come out of a bout of bronchitis. We have to see, people are just praying that the weather will be clement at that stage. But the forecast is rather changeable weather between now and Easter Sunday. And then on Easter Sunday, he will come out on the central balcony, the central lodge of St. Peter's Basilica. Again, you know, you're not protected much from the wind. So that's to deliver his traditional message to the world, right? The Urbi et Orbi address. Yes, Urbi to the city of Rome, Orbi to the world. And it will be about 10, 12, 15 minute talk where he speaks about the message of Christ, Christ proclaiming peace, wishing peace to people, but also helping them to resurrect from situations of 
destruction and debt in which they're living. And so he, he will look at the different countries, and certainly he will speak, I think, on all these situations, as he did on Sunday about Ukraine, but also about other situations where there's war and conflict like the Yemen, like uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, South Sudan, Myanmar, and the Holy Land. And all the time he remembers at Easter the situation in the Holy Land where the relations between Palestinians and Israelis is deteriorating day by day. And that address comes after he has celebrated Mass and preached in St. Peter's Square at the traditional Easter Sunday liturgy. So if you list what he has ahead of him, Holy Thursday, the morning of Holy Thursday, the Christmas Mass, the afternoon of Holy Thursday, the, the Last Supper, Mass of the, commemorating the Last Supper at the prison with young people. Then Good Friday, there is a commemoration of the Passion in St. Peter's Basilica, at which the Franciscan, now Cardinal, Cantalamesa, Raniero Cantalamesa, preaches. And then in the evening of Good Friday, you have the Way of the Cross at the Colosseum, at which the Pope will probably be. I would say he wants to go. Then on Saturday evening, I think 7.30 Rome time, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we have the Easter Vigil in St. Peter's Basilica, which the Pope will be at and which he will preach. And then on Sunday, he will be on the balcony of St. Peter's. So, Jerry, in all, the Pope has a whirlwind tour of masses and visits throughout this week, and we will certainly be accompanying him with our prayers, and we'll be back next week to talk about what happened in each of these services. Yes, and we wish all our listeners a very happy Easter, and we hope the Pope will really sail through this week, because for any Pope, this is the most challenging, physically challenging week in the whole of the Christian year. Indeed, a blessed, happy and holy Easter to all our listeners. We'll be back next week. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn, audio engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. Production assistance from Kevin Jackson, Christabel Spillman, and Vivian Richard. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. The show is recorded in the William J. Loeschert Studio at America Media in New York, and also at the studio inside the Jesuits' international headquarters in Rome. To keep up with the latest news out of the Vatican, please follow us on Twitter at INSDE Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at RickDSSJ, that's R-I-C-D-S-S-J, and Jerry at Jerry O'Rome, that's G-E-R-R-Y-O-R-O-M-E. Please consider becoming a digital subscriber to America Media. Just go to the show notes and click on the link. It's easy to do and the best way to support our work here on Inside the Vatican. And if you have a little time to spare, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Ricardo De Silva. We'll see you next time.